Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Peter Baudouet. Peter manages strategy and partnerships for an innovative alliance of energy companies committed to reducing environmental impacts through collaborative R&D efforts. Peter worked for more than 20 years in Asia, building and investing in a variety of businesses. His most recent role outside of Canada was with the World Wildlife Fund, where he was the chief executive officer of WWF China, based in Beijing. Prior to that, Peter lived in Hong Kong for 15 years working in the technology industry. You're about to listen to Peter's conversation with Luke Kruger. Take it away, Peter. So welcome. My name is Peter Bodway, and I'm your host of today's Rainforest podcast. Today's guest is Luke Kruger, co-founder of Valhalla Private Capital. We'll be exploring how angel investing works from a startup's perspective, as well as for potential angel investors or potential investors who want to become angels, and as well discuss the, uh, the Alberta angel ecosystem. And before we, we dive in, I did want to say I'm personally interested in uh, angel investing because I'll admit I've invested in uh, startups and, and that have failed. Mm-hmm. And I always look back and go, I really learned a lot. It was a great learning, but financially it was a loss, right? So I do really want to learn from you and, and understand how, better understand how angel investing works. So welcome, Luke. Sure. Thanks for having me, Peter. Yeah. Glad to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about Valhalla Capital and how it's evolved since it started in 2003? Yeah, so we've had an angel group, um, actually the only angel group in the city for most of our 16 years. We started, again, Roots in Angel Investing, so we've been doing this stuff for a very long time. Um, About two years ago, we realized that um, most of the, the companies we worked with, most of the investors we worked with, they had a lot of other ancillary or complementary needs and we had to really build out a company around the angel group and so we've tried to model our company after the life cycle that an entrepreneur would typically follow so first when people come in we've got training programs where we teach them like here's how you raise capital here's how you build a capital plan for your company and and grow and scale it over time then we're going to bring you to our angel investing group um, where we will hopefully hopefully fund your company Um, and then we have for the investors in our group, multiple funds. So if you don't want to individually pick companies, um, we have funds as a way to, you know, kind of spread some of your risk and, and sort of a soft entry into the space. And then we also have an M&A practice where we'll actually help exit our own portfolio companies um, and help sell them because that is, is really the key for all of this. You, you hear a lot of people talk in angel investing about what what great investments they've made and how it's doing on paper, but both you and I can't pay our bills with what's on paper. So you actually do have to get money out at some point. And so we've built uh, a boutique M&A practice around selling our own portfolio companies. That's great. So I want to discuss a little bit about startups who are looking for that seed round. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I guess what's the biggest challenge when you're dealing with those startups who are looking for that early investment? Uh, Well, there's a lot. So first of all, I think... You know, on both sides of the table, uh, we need to have better information into more people's hands, which is, I think, why we're here today doing this. Entrepreneurs don't really understand the full funding ecosystem, I think, um, in the sense that it's not just this round of capital, but it's subsequent rounds and what that means for them in terms of uh, their ownership of the company, in terms of 
who actually writes a check into your business and who invests, that actually has a lot of implications. So if it's a family member, you're going to be a lot more patient with somebody than if it's a VC who is on a has a fund that's on a timeline and they need to get exits for their for their LPs for their investors. And and so understanding some of that is is a big thing. And then more recently, I think valuation has become a bit of a thing. Um, there, there's a lot of podcasts, not this one, of course, uh, that talk completely about Silicon Valley and the, the hundred million billion dollar exits. We've had one in Alberta, one, so it can happen, but I don't think we ought to be building, um, building our companies and, and our investment strategies as if that's a normal thing because it just isn't. So if, if we're seeing, you know, and, and what we've found is, um, most exits in Canada are much smaller, about 25 million. Um, the average is, I think, 24.8. Um, and so valuation at the early stage actually matters a lot um, as an investor. Um, if you know that your invest- investment is likely to exit for 24 million, doing a, a seed round at a 10 or 12 million valuation doesn't make a lot of sense. And so I think that's a disconnect that I see a lot between the investor community and entrepreneurs. Great. So can you give us a description of the type of, I guess, investment that you're looking for? What industry segment, if any, is it pre-vet <coughs> revenue versus are you validation stage with a small customer base? Even mm-hmm. do they own their own IP? You know, what yep. are you looking for? So for us, we will do pre and post revenue. Uh, most of the companies that we see have some revenue, though it, it's very early, uh, probably only been in revenue for three to six months maximum. But depending on the sector, like you were saying, um, we do pre-revenue as well. I'd say that for us, we're fairly sector agnostic with two caveats. One, that we won't do oil and gas and we won't do real estate. Um, so anything now real, real estate tech, we will do oil and gas technology we'll take a look at. Part of our thesis is lots of money in this province for um, energy investment. If you can't raise it from some somebody else and are coming to us, there's probably something that we've missed along the way yeah. if nobody else will invest. But the big thing for us is scale. So are you building a company and a business model that scales well by dumping capital on it? Like that's really the perfect type of company. You've built a product, you've got some interest, you've got some validation uh, from the marketplace, whether they're paying you or not, that people want um, what you're doing. And now is the right time to inject capital into it and see some growth for, you know, both us as the investors and you as the founder. Okay. So what I guess is, so what, can you tell us a little bit about the process that a sort of a startup goes through when applying for funding with Valhalla? What, what can they expect through that process? Yeah. So I, I think the best founders uh, find out a way to introduce themselves to um, myself or one of my, one of my colleagues. Um, and, and sort of vet the idea that way. Um, we do send a lot of people, even that we've spoken with through our website, just because we have a, a standard set of questions that we're going to ask sort of around, you know, what stage your, your product is. Um, do you have revenue valuation? Just so to, general to, screening questions, general yeah. ske- screening questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what, what's going to happen is that we see probably a couple hundred a month from across Canada, uh, most are Western Canada and a lot in Alberta. Um, and then you're going to go through a process where <clears throat> someone from our team will be in touch with you. If you make it down to the final 10 or 20, then we do a deal screening call with you where a bunch of our team will be on that on that call. Um, and then every month, four companies uh, pitch to our group. 
Um, one of the things that is unique to our group that, that most angel groups don't have is we're actually in four cities. So in addition to Calgary, we're in Edmonton, Kelowna, and Vancouver. So we have the ability to, if you're willing to do what we call the road trip and visit all four cities, um, you can conceivably raise a million-dollar seed round uh, by visiting all four. And typically, angels that you go visit uh, don't have the ability to do that and will uh, just have you sit in one city and maybe raise 100K or something like that. Okay. So just looking at numbers, you said usually you get about 100 ideas a month. Is that a couple hundred, a couple of hundred and you're really bringing <clears throat> four to pitch, right? Yeah. So just looking at numbers, you're talking even to get to pitch stages around two to 4%. Depending yeah. On something like that. Okay. Okay. So when a startup is of an interest to your, your angels, so they've, they've sort of presented there, there's an interest. Can you talk about how you value a company and the due, the due diligence that you undertake? Um, so it's going to look a little bit different for everyone. There's sort of two sides to this. Mm -hmm. If you're going through the process with one of our funds, um, then it's going to be a lot more structured. If you're going through with our angel group, we kind of view it as a matchmaking service. So we provide the platform for what we think are great companies pitching to investors that are actively looking to write checks. Each individual investor will have their own process around due diligence. What we would expect minimally is that a each company has an investor deck, valuation, understand the terms that they're raising on and have a data room ready to go with things like patents or, or if you have pending patents, things like that, customer contracts, basic incorporation documents, cap table. There's a whole list of things and most founders understand you know, what's going to make a material difference for an investor to make or not make a decision to invest in our company. Great. Great. So... Can you talk about sort of the typical size of an investment, of initial investment? And uh, I mean, how many investments do you make in a year? Because I just, just to clarify that. Yeah. Yeah. So last year we did about $10.4 million in funding to early stage companies into about 30 companies, 28, 29, 30, somewhere in there. I don't, I don't remember the exact number, um, but that's pretty typical for us. We're doing two to three a month. Um, and the typical, our average deal size is 250000 I've seen anything from zero all the way up to a million and a half. Okay. So 250,000. So is that, and that's in the first round. I mean, is that, in and the those first numbers, round. do you usually in a year, you're doing second round as well? Is that? Uh... Inside of a year, probably not. What, what I would say that our group understands is that you're going to be investing multiple times in multiple rounds. And so our advice to members is for every dollar you're willing to invest in the first round, make sure you save minimally one more dollar to invest in the, in the subsequent round, maybe even more. And I think that's the thing that new investors often miss is, you know, the, the lie that we all tell each other is, oh, don't worry, this is the only capital you'll ever need to build this company. And that's Almost never true um, if it's going to provide you and I the type of returns that that we actually want. Yeah. So you mentioned, I mean, one of the first answers you said is, oh, you should look at if you're an angel or if you're looking for investment to get in contact with you guys, et cetera. Can I ask, where do you source deals? Because obviously there's mm -hmm. the website, et cetera, but there's a host of accelerators in town. There are incubators. Yep. There are government programs. Are you working with some of those organizations as well to sort of find deal flow? Yeah, one of, one of the big parts of my role is building relationships with different groups around uh, the city and, and honestly, Western Canada, going to a lot of conferences. But we, we build relationships with accelerators and incubators here in town. 
Um, we have a lot of referrals that get sent to us from sponsors. So, so think of BDC and some of the larger banks and, and things like that. They're working with clients who've come to them for, you know, maybe a loan for inventory or something like that. And they'll refer them over to us when they're, when they're doing a capital raise. The truth is a, a lot of deals um, actually come in through LinkedIn, through oh, okay. DMs. Like mm-hmm. I probably get 10 a day or pretty close to it. I get a ton, just people introducing themselves, adding me on LinkedIn, sending me their investor deck. I can't promise that I read them all because <laughs> there's just it's so one more channel. It's, it's one, one more channel. More channel. Yeah. Um, but we get a lot through our website as well. Um, if you know, if you were to search for Angel Angel Capital or Angel Investors in Western Canada, our name's going to be at the top of the list. Great. Okay. So I wanted to switch now for those uh, from an, an angel investor perspective. Right? Yeah. So moving away from lo- those looking for funding, but for those who are looking to invest. So um, I, I attended your presentation at the Inventures Conference in mm-hmm. early June. So this is where there was a number of, number of angel investors talking about the business. And you mentioned that your personal angel investments have been as low as $10,000, which yep. in a way intrigued me because yeah. I guess when I think of angel investors or, or with the, the ones that you're working with, can you and who are approaching an angel investment portfolio, are they saying, look, I'll make one investment and see how it goes? Or are they really thinking, okay, I'm going to invest in 10 or 20 companies? How do they, how do they look at their portfolio? Yeah, I, w- I would say when people join our group and first get into it, they haven't really spent any time thinking about it. But pretty quickly, people develop their own thesis around what they're comfortable investing in and, and how much. Um, my advice to new investors is um, take a look at your own you know, personal assets, figure out what can you afford to put into a, a higher risk asset class like this one um, and then develop a strategy around that? So as we were talking about before we got on, if somebody's looking to do a, a single or even a couple of angel investments, I would tell them to save their money and not bother because, you know, as the practice of angel investing has matured a little bit, it's really only been about 20, 30 years that this is, has really been an asset class that people invest in. And so what's happened is is that we recognize that the failure rate for startups is high. Mm -hmm. Um, So most of the investments that I do are going to lose money. But then there's these legends out there like the first investors in Uber got a 5,000x, which means that for every $5,000 they invest in, they return 25 million. So those returns are abnormal, but they, they do happen. They're out there. A deal that had come to our group was skip the dishes. The people that um, would have invested in that deal, um, eventually we got cut out of that one, uh, would have returned about a 47x. So these deals are out there in Western Canada, but you can't really build a strategy around it. So what we say is try to try to think of it that you're going to do at least 10 investments and, and probably half of them you will lose money on, like you said. And then a couple of them will get you two to three times your money back. And then you're going to have a couple remaining. um, And those are going to provide all of the returns that cover the losses in the other ones. So you really have to take uh, what we call a portfolio approach and have a plan to to do a number of them. Um, And it doesn't have to be in a a short period of time. You don't have to do it in the first six months or, or the first year. In fact, my advice to new members, even though it's bad for business, is don't write a check for the first year. Um, Take some time and recognize sort of um, how startups are built. It's a different business model than than most. 
and and it is about pattern recognition. What types of founders are going to be successful? What kind of companies are successful? What attributes am I looking for? And then over a couple of years, you can invest. And I think, you know, to your earlier point about the $10,000 number, mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot of bad information out there about what angel investing is. People think you need to write six-figure checks all the time or, or even larger. And certainly we've got members that have the ability to write a six-figure check. But the majority of investors like me will will syndicate deals and will put, I've seen as little as $5,000, but five, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 into a holding company, and then that entity will make the investment into a company. That's actually how we do a lot of our deals. Okay, so it's structured through an equity. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about your process for bringing on new angels? Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll meet people out at events like InVentures that, that you and I met at. Or, or out in the community at demo days and things like this. And and recently, we've got a lot more people uh, inbound through website, through social media channels, things like that. Um, what had been true in this province is that you could invest in real estate and do very well. Well, as we know, the last four or five years, that's not the case anymore. And so people are the combination of you can't do the thing that you've been used to doing, which is real estate or more traditional investments because they're not providing the same type of returns. And all of the big returns have moved over to technology companies. And we all read the headlines and, and see when when Uber and Slack and all of these companies go public and the types of returns that investors are getting. So people are starting to, to sniff around a little bit more. And so we have a really easy way for people. I'll bring people to one of our monthly events or one of our monthly pitch events um, as my guest so that people can just check it out for themselves. And the comment that I get a lot is that it looks like Dragon's Den, but it's a lot more tactical because it's, of course, real money. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and so people get familiar that way. Um, but I think even beyond the investment part of angel investing, there's two other things that I think are even more valuable for angels. The network that you build, being in a room of, of accredited investors, and the amount of learning that you get. Um, in, our, in our culture, we have no problem spending tens of thousands of dollars on education, but for whatever reason, doing it in an informal setting for some reason doesn't count, and I've never really understood why. Because um, I think that I've learned more by sitting around a table with a bunch of other really smart people looking at investing in, in new and emerging technology than I ever learned in a classroom. So it's real experience, yeah. Well, and there's also something on the line if um, you're going to lose $25,000 if it doesn't go well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So can I ask, I mean, I know that you've also got your investor base camp course. Yes, From we my do. understanding. Yeah, so for, for what I describe when I... Angel Investing 101. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a bit more about that process and, and what, what a potential investor goes through? Yeah, so we, we typically run one twice a year mm-hmm. and we've run a couple different models. So so one is mostly a classroom session where it's like, hey, you've already decided you want to invest in technology companies. Um, you've already sort of said, this is something I want to do. Well, here's the theory behind sort of how to build a portfolio, uh, the business model of startups, how you make money, um, all of those types of things. The other one that I uh, prefer to do, and we do this once a year, is where we walk we walk investors through a process where there's a little bit of classroom, but then we get very practical, very hands-on. Um, and so we ran one in the Okanagan last year. Um, and basically what happens is you look at real live companies who are really raising capital. And so everything that you've, you know, 
learned from from the PowerPoint and from reading and read in TechCrunch and listened to on podcasts and stuff like this, you actually get to apply it. And so, um, so you're bringing a cohort of potential invest, you know, companies through yep. as well. Okay. And you put up five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. That's a real investment into a company. And so we'll pool, you know, twenty people's um, twenty people's five thousand dollars, and and so you get a hundred thousand dollar check. And then as you walk through the process, um, listen to pitches, weed out some of the ones that that you don't want to invest in, um, and ultimately land on one or two, and then you go through a due diligence process. You're doing it very hands-on. The analogy that I like to to use is that if you were to go to trade school, no one would sit there and and watch PowerPoints of how to do electrical for, for six months or a year, and then they would let you at the wires on the first day. That just, it would be crazy. Yeah. And yet, for a practice like angel investing, people start, you know, I've seen people come in come in hot and be writing $50,000, $100,000 checks, and they've been doing this for a couple of weeks. And it's just a really good way to lose a lot of money. And I, and I, I strongly encourage people to take their time and, and to not write all of their checks in the first year and take some time and learn. Great. So you also, I guess, at your inventors presentation, you also mentioned that you had once invested in an artificial intelligence company simply because you wanted to learn about segment. And I found mm-hmm. that really interested, interesting. And I want to ask, are your angels investing in areas that they understand? Or is it something that they're looking at a new segment they may not have experience in? Typically, what's it like? Mm-hmm. So we, we have 150 members across Western Canada. So, so we have all different types of people. When entrepreneurs ask me what what's an investor like or how do I pitch an investor, well, there's as many per, um, opinions on that as there are people in the room. So everyone's a bit different. That being said, I think most of our members like to invest in areas that they understand. So they have some background in, um, or they've worked in previously, or invested in previously. That's the majority. Um, there are some that are like me, where you know, especially emerging technologies. Um, Augmented reality is a, g- a good one where, you know, not a lot of people know a lot about it or a couple of years ago it was blockchain, you know, and before that it was or maybe even still it is artificial intelligence. These are things that are emerging and, and they're kind of fun new toys and we're figuring out exactly, you know, how they have commercial applications. I invest and I think some of our members invest in spaces because they want to learn about it. They know that it's going to be the next big thing and what better way to get some knowledge about it, then get behind the curtains with a company or a founder or a team who's trying to figure out how to not only build it, um, but then apply it in a, in a commercial setting and actually make money off of it. Um, it's been fascinating. And I think from, from my own experience, I invest in a company, the one that I referenced in that presentation, he's a friend of mine and he's a literal rocket scientist. Um, I can't think of a lot better ways to learn about artificial intelligence than than somebody who has yeah. their doctorate in yeah. rocket science. <laughs> okay, so once an investment is made, I guess what what's the role, or what if any role, do the angels play? Are they active in the business? Is the so again, it's going to depend on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those that are that are active and want to be active, that's the that's the ideal scenario where you have a small amount of investment. So I have about, I was going to say 12, 13 now in my portfolio. Um, And whenever I can be helpful introducing companies to customers, new employees as they scale and are hiring, um, talent is sometimes hard to find in Alberta or in Western Canada. 
if you can help them um, even just be a, a coach, a mentor, they need a sounding board. Um, there's lots of different ways for you to get involved. If you have a particular skill set, like um, you know, you're a lawyer, you're uh, an accountant, there, there's lots of different ways that you can help a company. And now, once you've invested, you are actually an owner in that company. And so, so very literally, your business partners with the founding team, um, and you want the company to win. So the more that you can get involved, just like if it was your business, because it partly is your business now, those are the investments that tend tend to go better. Now, there's also a segment of angel investors that want to write a check and say, I trust you, I picked you for a reason, and leave it alone. So the beautiful thing about angel investing is there's a lot of our members that do it on a very part-time basis. They spend you know, one afternoon, evening, a month with us looking at pitches, and then maybe a handful of hours um, throughout the next couple of weeks doing due diligence. And that's the level that they want to operate at. It's also a lot of people who have sold a business, semi-retired, and they want to be more hands-on. And you can do that. It, it's your money. You've invested in the company. You get to choose your level of involvement. Um, and sometimes founders, smart founders, will actually um, choose which people's money they take based on that. Based on so how helpful experience and yeah. Yeah. Based on how helpful they want to be as well. Yeah. Okay. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk mm -hmm. about the, I guess the Calgary innovation or angel ecosystem. Yeah. And, and I know you're very active in supporting that local ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So when I look at, and I'll say the digital ecosystem in Calgary, there's yeah. a lot going on, many different organizations of in, in, in industry, there's government, both federal, provincial, local, mm -hmm accelerators, funders, alliances, associations, there's a lot going on. So I guess my question is, as an investor group, um, where in the ecosystem do you see the greatest opportunity to help sort of drive the economy? Yeah, I mean, there's so in Alberta, we have so many opportunities to, to continue to grow in the space. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's not news to anybody that we've been investing heavily in energy for a really long time. The more that people can people can continue to move away from not necessarily investing in energy but but move towards like new technology and specifically like as it applies to energy one of the big things if i could encourage folks that are in that industry um to to try local startups and, and give them a chance um try local products if they've got a software in your space uh, um to try it out um there's, there's a lot of different ways that, that we can help local companies uh, beyond just capital. Um, using their products, giving them feedback, even if you don't pay them um, because it's super early and they want to test and, and they want to see if it solves the problem that they're trying to solve. Um, those are all helpful ways that people can contribute. Great. So buy local. Buy local. So well, <laughs> try, try local. Try local. And then if they earn it, then buy local. Okay. Okay. No, fair enough. Fair enough. So we often hear about Canadian entrepreneurs having a challenge raising funding. That, mm -hmm. That's, um, and you know, what, once they sort of to raise that capital, once they get to a certain stage and, and what do you see as some of the potential issues there? So we hear that a lot too. And what, what we often say is that money is the easy part, easiest part of business. And that sounds counterproductive to people, um, or counterintuitive rather. But, but I really do believe it. I don't think we have a shortage of capital. If you are building a really an amazing company that has amazing growth potential, and I could give you a handful of examples, um, including a company that we just invested in the last couple of months, mm -hmm. 
they came in and they were looking for $400,000. They ended up raising a million and then 90 days later raised 2 million. There is money there if you're building a really amazing company. So, so I actually don't buy into that, that, that we have a shortage of capital. I think that, um, I think the entrepreneurs sometimes raise too early before they actually have anything. And I think that in some cases, um, you know, and there's a lot of reasons that, that I would give for this, but people believe that capital is a, is a birthright that if I start a company, I'm owed a million dollars in, in risk capital from someone. And that's just not true. If you can't build a great product and, and, prove that somebody wants to pay you for what you're doing um, you don't deserve capital and and so I, I just don't think that's a problem honestly yeah and so when i look at the um rainforest right now is quite active in in the space and building it i know you're active in in rainforest i mean can you talk a little bit about you know the first time you experienced rainforest and what's your experience with them yeah so i've i've been to a couple of meetings i i honestly i think the I think the whole concept is great just to get more people around and talking about this. There's so many uh, meetups for different industries and for a long time there hasn't been for um, the, the tech or the startup um, sort of segment. Uh, so I think that's really positive. I think this stuff is just hard. And so to, to get this collision happening of um, entrepreneurs and great service providers, um, which, which I do think um, is a little bit bit lacking in the city if i could identify anything um and then investors um it is really hard and so the more that we can congregate around rainforest um inventors i think is a great event and there's a small handful of these in the city um, i think that's gonna um conti continue to push things forward um and, and we need some success stories we need uh more soliums in the ecosystem um, and and not necessarily selling for 1.2 billion but if we're consistently um, having companies sell for uh, 20, 30, 50 million dollars um, and seeing like you, you can build and scale something locally and be successful with it. I think that's just going to help us. Great. So if people want to get to know more about Valhalla or if mm -hmm. they want to become a potential angel or they're a company seeking investment, how should they get in contact with you guys? So certainly go through our website, ValhallaAngels.com. Um, people I encourage people to message me directly on, on LinkedIn. Um, you can find my email address on our website too. Um, I'm happy to have coffee with people and just have a little bit of a conversation. I think there's a lot of bad information out there both on, on both sides for entrepreneurs who think, you know, if, if I run a, a profitable business and only do $5 million in sales, I'm failing for some reason, which in no other industry Anybody would say that, but because it doesn't fit a VC model, um, people will tell them if they don't sell their company for $100 million or failing, I think that's bad information. And then I think on the investor side of things, there's a perception partially because of Dragon's Den and others that are out there yeah. that you need to be stroking $100,000 checks at a time and, and you know on a two-minute pitch. And, and that's also bad information. Um, so I'm happy to talk to people about both sides of the equation uh, because frankly the the more that both sides um, get better information get more educated and, and raise the bar the better the ecosystem overall does great and if people are interested in your base camp course when is the next one uh, or so are you planning another one i guess uh, so we just finished one in Kelowna. we mm -hmm. typically move it around to the cities that that we uh, operate in um, but the next one in calgary will be in the fall uh, don't have specific dates set, but probably October. Great. 
And if they register with you, they'll get information yeah. on that? Okay. If they get in touch with me or get in touch with us through our website, we'll get them all the information for that. Great. So, Luke, on that, I do want to say thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to talk with us today. Of course. And thank you for listening. <laughs> thanks thank for you. having me. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-source, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social-barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This podcast was made possible by a generous contribution from Zinc Ventures and is hosted by volunteers from Rainforest Alberta. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>